Okay. So of all the Jewish festivals, the one that's the most associated with playing games is Hanukkah. Uh, most famous, I guess, the dreidel game that is played during Hanukkah, but also other games. Um, for example, this year, we, we organized for the first night of Hanukkah um, a soccer game to be played um, and to entertain the world um, for the first night of Hanukkah. We did it, <laughs> we, 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 we made it in Qatar so the timing would work, uh, that people would have already lit their menorahs and wouldn't interfere with any, any Hanukkah celebrations. That was the first night of Hanukkah. Um, today as well, um, for the last day of Hanukkah, there's the Boxing Day text, test match um, cricket game, named because today's the day that everyone's putting their menorahs back into boxes. And, um, and many other games that are played specifically on Hanukkah. But one game that has become synonymous in Jewish history with Hanukkah uh, was controversial. In some places was encouraged and uh, enjoyed. Other places was banned or tried to minimize. And that is playing cards. Playing cards on Hanukkah. I don't know if any of you have this in your particular uh, family traditions. But throughout the Jewish world, it was very popular to play card games, particularly on Hanukkah. And this is the topic I'd like to analyze today. How permissible are playing cards, not just Hanukkah, but year round at any, at any time? Because this is a topic that is actually surprisingly controversial in, in Jewish writings. I got into this topic recently not to do with Hanukkah, but because uh, we at Nefesh advertised a bridge night, a fundraiser. We're doing a bridge night. And after advertising and putting it out, I got certain responses from people around the world surprised that a shul would put on a bridge night. How could you in the synagogue have a bridge night? Don't you know that cards are impure, are evil, are, are, are prohibited, are idolatrous, all types of different things people saying about playing cards? which you might have thought are quite innocent, you know, the jack, the queen, king, ace, like, you know, the, the, what, what possible spiritual danger is there to these things? But several people objected to us having a bridge night in the shul because is it not prohibited? So uh, I decided to look into the topic, not only because of that, but also because more recently a couple of my kids have got into card tricks, doing card tricks. And they can do it with Uno and with other, other sets, but uh, the traditional tricks are done with the 52 card set, the normal set. And so they really wanted to know, is it okay? Because they'd also heard things from people. Somebody at school saw them with the cards and told them, don't you know the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe of Lubavitch said that they are forbidden, you can't use these cards. And so I said, well, let's work this out. Is this indeed true? Are these cards that people play bridge and poker and uh, Rummy and all these various different games, are they prohibited? Are they fine? Is it a Jewish tradition to do it? Is it a, is it a custom to play this? Why on Hanukkah particularly? What, what is actually going on here with card playing? So, as always, with uh, Torah topics, you need sources. You can't just have hearsay, what people say or you've heard. It has to have a source. It has to be written somewhere or said somewhere. When, when we're speaking about whether something is prohibited or permissible, is it a holy thing or an unholy thing, it can't just be conjecture. It has to be actual sources. And so I did uh, quite a bit of research over the last few weeks trying to dig up the sources, what they actually say about card playing. Most specifically, I'm not going to talk so much about the gambling side of cards. That is also a topic within Judaism and we'll touch upon it. 
But I'm also going to speak about the spiritual dangers or not. Is it dangerous? Is there something wrong with cards? Are cards something that should not be in a Jewish home? Are they things that kids should not be playing with? Or are they completely innocent and fine? What, what do the Jewish sources actually say about it? And to start with the, what I just said about the previous Rebbe of Lubavitch, I could not find anywhere any source where the, the previous Rebbe said anything of the sort. Uh, I did find one letter of the previous Rebbe where somebody had said that there was somebody who was suggesting they were going to play cards for money and donate the money to charity. So they, they wanted to, 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 to be involved with gambling, but to give the money to charity. And the previous Rebbe wrote back to that person that to make parnasa, to make a living out of playing cards, even if the money will go to tzedakah, is an avera, is a, is a sin. To make a parnasa, to make, to make a living out of playing cards is a sin. And those people should be punished with a fine. They should, they should have to pay a fine for, for doing such a thing. And that will remind them not to do that anymore. And they should go uh, and, and behave according to Torah. So obviously the previous Rebbe was very against gambling for a living. Uh, but he doesn't mention anything about the cards themselves being impure, idolatrous or anything like that. And so therefore, if you're not playing cards for a living, or you're not paying for money, it doesn't seem the previous Rebbe would have an issue with that. However, I did find other sources that did speak very, very strongly about the dangers of the cards. Not just the gambling element, but the cards themselves, the impurity and the dangers of these cards. And I want to share with you those sources and analyze what they might be talking about. The, um, the one that we'll look at in a minute is, uh, that, that is, I guess, known as sort of the primary source for this is the Kedushas Levi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. Uh, the great Berdichev, he was a, t a student of the Magid of Mezrich, who was a student of the Balshemtov. He was a contemporary of the Alter Rebbe, uh, the author of the Tanya, um, an, el an elder contemporary. And he writes, and we're going to go through what he, he writes in his, in his Kedushas Levi, very serious things about, uh, about, about cards. The other source that's often quoted is the Bnei Yisachar, which we'll also look at, Rabbi Tzvi Lemelech of Dinov, another Hasidic master of the next generation down. And uh, he also speaks quite, quite uh, harshly about it. But I also found other sources, non-Hasidic sources, which was interesting. The Leiv David, Rabbi, the, the, known as the Chidah, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai. He was a great rabbi in Jerusalem, born in Jerusalem from Moroccan background. Uh, he was an incredible Kabbalist, halachic, halachic authority. He wrote dozens and dozens of, of wonderful Torah works. And in one of them, one of them is called Lev David. He says the following things. He's speaking specifically about Hanukkah. And he says, don't waste these holy days on emptiness and vanity, conjuring the dead by playing disgusting cards, wasting money and shirking your Torah responsibilities. That's, that's the words he used. So, he describes the cards as conjuring the dead, which is a, a, a quote from the Torah. One of the prohibitions is to make a seance, to, to, to bring dead, the dead back to talk to them. He seems to associate playing cards with conjuring the dead. Whether it's just a turn of phrase, he's just dramatizing what, what, the, the playing the cards, or he actually means it literally, I don't know. But he concludes that, that what playing cards does, it's wasting money. So I guess he's talking about gambling and shirking your Torah responsibilities, you're wasting your time as well. So very strong language about playing cards, in, in, implying that it's more than just the gambling and the wasting time, conjuring the dead, disgusting cards. There's something wrong with the cards themselves. What could that be? He doesn't explain. 
Another fascinating source that mentions this idea is a book called Yisoid of Shoresh Avoida, uh, which is a book written by, his name was Rabbi Alexander Suskind. He was from Grodno in Lithuania. He was a, 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 he was a, a Lithuanian uh, Torah authority, a mystic as well. Uh, and his book is a book of morality, of inspiration. And in it, in the section on Hanukkah, he speaks about the correct uh, way you should behave on Hanukkah, how you should light the candles, and, and the, the spiritual intentions you should have. And he adds, at the end of speaking about Hanukkah, he says, anyone who has fear of God should distance his children from even looking at the clippers, at the negative forces called cards. And they should stay away from what is ugly. And you should also stay away from what is similar to ugliness, such as chess and checkers and other games. For they distract the mind from concentrating on prayer and on Torah study. So the Sotav Shoresh Avodah, he goes even further. He says there's ugliness and there's that which is similar to ugliness. Ugliness is cards. Similar to ugliness is chess, checkers and other games. Why? So it seems that he's saying cards is a category of its own. That's, that's, there's some spiritual impurity about cards. That, is, that you should stay away from for sure. He then extends it and says chess and checkers and all these things, they are similar to ugliness. They're not, they're not impure, but they have the same, uh, I guess, uh, addictive nature to them, that people play them and waste their time and end up not studying Torah and doing what they're supposed to be doing. This is what he says. Uh, a similar idea is, is brought in another interesting book from a different part of the Jewish world. Binas Yisachar is a book written by Rabbi Yisachar Be'er Bloch. He was from Mattersdorf, um, which is modern-day Austria, um, so in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And he was, he was the heir to the Chassam Sofo, the great rabbi of that area. He was the next rabbi in, in, the, in the city of Mattersdorf. He was a student of Rayonis and Eibschitz. Uh, so he was what's called an Oberlander, uh, like a Hungarian rabbi. Not Hasidic, not Lithuanian, not Sephardi, which we've already seen, but a Hungarian rabbi. And he says the following, those who play cards and chess, saying that it sharpens their minds, how can you sharpen a pure mind in which the holy soul rests with impure objects that clipper, that, that, that impurity rests on? So he, he puts together cards and chess as well, interestingly. Uh, and, but he seems to be referring specifically to cards when saying that you're not sharpening your mind if your mind has, a, has an ashama, has holiness in it. And these cards have clipper, have negative energies in them. How can you sharpen your holy mind with impure objects uh, of clipper. That's how strong the language is. Going back to those Hasidic sources, they explain it a little bit more with a little bit more detail of how we should be staying away from these cards. Um, the Kedusha Slevi, Rablevi Yitzchak in his section on Hanukkah as well, he speaks about the fact that Hanukkah was a victory of the Greeks, the Greeks who wanted specifically to contaminate the Jewish mind. They contaminated the oil. Oil represents wisdom that which floats to the top, um, that with, which illuminates the world. The Torah wisdom, which is represented by the menorah, the oil in the, in the temple, is what the, the, the Greeks came to contaminate. And therefore, to celebrate the festival of Hanukkah, how do we do that? By celebrating the purity of the Jewish mind and the, and the wisdom of the Torah. That's the whole point of Hanukkah. That's the victory of Hanukkah. And so he says, therefore, uh, because that is the entire purpose of Hanukkah, so therefore, we, people should be very careful to maintain that purity, the purity 
and the holiness of Torah. And therefore he says, specifically, I have seen that with our great sins, it has become a very popular thing amongst our brothers, the Jewish people, to play cards on Hanukkah. And they think that it's, not, it's no big deal. But you should know, says Rabbi Levi Yitzhak you should know that in every card, there is certainly a great impure force of Klippa. Every single card has a pure, impure force of Klippa that is not even worth mentioning. We shouldn't even say the name of what these clippers are. We shouldn't speak about them. And my witnesses are in heaven that I'm not here just to, to, to say uh, a drusha, like a nice sermon, but I am trying to get rid of a great stumbling block from Jewish, for the Jewish people. You should know my brothers and friends, how many pitfalls there are in this game, this game of cards. He's warning you, please stay away from it. Um, and there are several pitfalls in it. What are those pitfalls? Number one, certainly at the time that you're playing cards, you forget the fear of God. You're, you're into playing cards, you're, you're forgetting the fear of God, you don't have Hashem in front of you. That's number one. Number two, certainly it seems to me that you're a robber. You're a thief. Mm -hmm. And number three, is you contaminate yourself with the clipper, with the negative energy that is not something that I should even mention by mouth. These three things. So, number one, you don't have fear of God when you're playing cards. Number two, you're a thief. And number three, you are contaminating your mind with the impurity of the cards. So therefore, my brothers and friends, my request to you is do not look at it as a simple matter. Don't dismiss this idea. It would be much better that at that time, instead of playing cards, you should learn Torah, the Torah of God. Or go to a, a sage to listen to, to, a, to a shir and, 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 and learn from him. And then certainly the light of the miracle of Hanukkah will shine for you. And Hashem will do for us miracles and wonders through the, the Torah that is given to us. It, may, should ha it should happen very soon that we should see those miracles. Amen. That's how he concludes. Very dramatic and, and, and uh, harsh words there. Share market, okay. Okay, good question. We'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll try and get to that later. Um, what about the share market? That's also gambling. So, so it seems here, yeah? Sorry? Reading a novel. Right, so, so he's said very broadly here, what are the problems with cards? You don't have fear of God. Well, that could, that could apply to any activity that is not a mitzvah, not Torah learning. Anything that, that could apply to, which Okay, maybe that's what he's saying, that we should only be involved with, with holy activities. Thievery, it's robbery. What does it mean that it's robbery when you're playing cards? What's the robbery there? We'll, we'll have to explain that. And then the third thing is the impurity, which, which we need to, need to explore. So before we go to the next source, to understand a little bit what he's saying, the background of what he's saying. So there is a great debate amongst the Jewish scholars about gambling in general, about any gambling. Is gambling something that is a permissible activity or a forbidden activity. And the source of it is in the Talmud itself. The Talmud speaks about certain people who are invalid to serve as witnesses in the Jewish court. One of them is Masachet Bakuvia, somebody who plays dice, which was a form of gambling, a simple form of gambling in the ancient times. A dice player is invalid to be a witness in court. They're not, a, not a, like they're not a trustworthy person, somebody who plays dice, somebody who's a, who's a gambler. The sages of the Talmud debate, why? Why exactly is that? One opinion is, because when you play dice, whenever you gamble, it's a form of stealing. Because nobody thinks they're going to lose. 
when they gamble. They, they always think they're going to win. They put the money in because they think they're going to win. The fact that they lose, they really unwillingly have given over their money. So the winner is taking money that was not willingly given. It's a form of stealing. Because stealing is taking something that somebody didn't really want to give. Every person who buys a lottery ticket thinks they're going to win, right? Uh, every, every person who, who, who participates in, 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 in a gamble think that they're, they're going to be, be, be the winners. They're not willingly giving away the money. And so therefore, the winner who did win is taking money unwillingly from other people. That is called stealing. That's one opinion in the Talmud as why gambling or a gambler is, 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 uh, is not permitted to be a witness. Another opinion is that no, not that it's stealing. Everyone who gambles knows that they might lose. That's, that's a part of it. And so therefore, when you put your money in, you might lose your money. That, that's, that's willingly. However, a gambler is somebody who's not really contributing to society. Somebody who gambles, unlike any other profession, you're not adding anything to the world. If, if you're a garbage collector, if you're, if you're a, a doctor, if, if you're a, a computer technician, you're helping the world, you're advancing things, you're, you're, you're looking after people, you're doing things in a positive way. It's making the world a better place in some small way. A gambler is not. There's, not, there's nothing that, that's improving the world. And so therefore somebody who's a professional gambler is not considered somebody who contributes Therefore, they're not trustworthy and therefore they can't serve as a witness. These two explanations are very different. Whether you're a thief by gambling or whether you're not contributing to the world. Because let's say you're not a professional gambler, but you're a, a casual gambler. Every now and then you do a gamble. Just, you know, the, the, the Melbourne Cup once a year, you do a little gamble. Or you go on holidays, you go, you go to a casino, that's it. So you contribute to the world, you have a job, you have other, other ways you contribute to the world. This you do just on a leisurely basis. If we go by the first explanation that it's stealing, well, it doesn't matter. Stealing is stealing. Even if you do it once a year, you can't just be a leisurely thief. Yeah, that, that, that's a thief is a thief, whether you do it once a year or, or, or every day. So it would be completely forbidden to gamble anytime. Whereas if the reason is because you're not contributing to the world, well, as long as you have a normal job, and this is just a, a, a pastime, it would be permissible. Interestingly, the Ashkenazi halachic authorities have gone with the second and the Sephardi authorities have gone generally with the first. Meaning, if you're Sephardi, you're allowed to eat rice on Pesach, but you're not allowed to go to the casino. Uh, whereas if you're Ashkenazi, we can't do the rice, but we can have a gamble here and there. You can decide what, who got the better end of the deal there. But um, the, that, that is generally how, how it, it has gone. The coin to Sephardi halacha, Gambling is stealing. According to Ashkenazi, gambling is wasting time. It's not, it's not being productive. So therefore, you can do it, but it can't be your major parnasa. Going back, interestingly, to the, to the letter of the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe was talking about somebody who, for parnasa, for a living, was gambling and wanting to give to charity. And that's what he said is completely forbidden. And so to hear that Rablev Yitzchok Abedichev, the second reason he said uh, that, that, uh, that playing cards was forbidden is because you're a thief, you're stealing. Interestingly, he, even though he's Ashkenazi, he's there going with that opinion in the Gemara that says that, that it could be actually considered stealing. Um, the the, the time-wasting, he says, well, and uh, all, all of the authorities here seem to agree that it's, it's time-wasting. Perhaps what they're saying is that different to other pastimes, there's something quite addictive about this. People who get into it, they get into it and they spend a lot of time on it. And that's perhaps the danger, particularly with cards. Gambling generally, we know, is a, is a terrible and very common addiction, much more common than, than we would believe. Uh, and so therefore, it is a bit different. Reading novels is, is it, it, you wouldn't call it addictive. It's enjoyable. Uh, but it's something that uh, we have so, somewhat much more control over. Whereas playing these games is an addiction, it, become, it can easily become an addiction. 
And therefore the danger that somebody will spend nights and nights and their whole life on it is much more of a concern. Um, interesting those authorities who put chess and checkers and other games into it as well, it seems they were being extra stringent. They weren't suggesting, it seems, that these things are also addictive, but they were saying that it's the same time-wasting thing. Once you get into it and you spend your entire life on it, it could become your preoccupation rather than doing much more meaningful things. But it should be noted that, uh, that all of these sources so far, they're not actually halachic works. They're, they're works of, of, of spiritual inspiration, of musar, uh, and, and, and of, of mystical thought. And so from a halachic perspective, uh, one shouldn't waste one's time, that's for, that's for sure, but we wouldn't put chess and checkers in the same basket as gambling and playing cards. The, the interesting one here, the interesting point here that Rabbi Yitzchok is making is the third point, and that is that every card, he says, every single card has a spiritual impurity in it. And so whether, whether you're gambling or not, let's say you're not, not even playing for money, uh, you're not even playing for, 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 for long amounts of time, a short amount of time, but if there's an impurity in it, just holding the card, looking at the card, is, is looking at impurity, so then that, that's a serious thing. Uh, what is he actually talking about? So the last source I want to look at before trying to examine these is the Bnei Yisoscher, Reb Tzvi Elimelech of Dinov, he was a, uh, another Hasidic master, the nephew of Rebel Melech of Lijensk, who was himself a student of the Magid. So he's the next generation down from, the, from Levi Yitzchak Badichev. He has a book, B'nai Yisachar, which is a, a book that goes through the entire year and all the festivals of the year giving mystical and deep explanations. A huge chunk of the book is dedicated to Hanukkah, because uh, they say the B'nai Yisachar of Levi Yitzchak himself, he was a soul from the Hashemunayim. He was a Hasmonean soul that was reincarnated. And, and so he had a particular connection to Hanukkah. And he has great long explanations to every aspect of Hanukkah. And one of the things he speaks about is talking about the light of Torah that came down um, through, the, through the menorah of Hanukkah. And he says, as a, an aside note, that from here you should contemplate, from appreciating the great holy light that came down at Hanukkah, you should appreciate the great prohibition and the blemish that is caused in your soul if you, God forbid, get busy with the game of cards. He says the word, the, the game of cards in Yiddish is karten, and karten has the same gematria, the same numerical value as satan, which is Satan. So he says that this game was invented by the clipper, by the powers of impurity, at the times of the Greeks, when the, when the Greeks were, were ruling, in the times of Hanukkah, that's when the game was invented. And they made this game with 36 cards corresponding to the 36 tractates of the Talmud. In opposite, the 36 tra tractates of the Talmud are the holy revelation of the light of God. And these cards are the 36 opposite energies opposing that holiness. And this, the whole point of this game was that, 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 that negative and impure wisdom should override the holy wisdom of Torah. And he says, This is not what the Jewish people are into. And he, and he uses a, a, a bit of a pun. Eile, the word Eile is Aleph Lamed Hey, which has the numerical value of 36. Not in these, these, these 36 cards, that's not what the Jewish people are into. Rather, for the Jewish people, there should be light, 
which is the light of Torah. And again, he's using a, a pun because Laihudim Hoysa'ura, the first three letters of those three words, Laihudim Hoysa'ura, Alamad Hey Aleph, which is also 36. So Eile, these cards, the 36 cards, that's not the Jewish thing. But Laihudim Hoysa'ura, the light of Torah is what the Jewish people are into, which is also 36. Um, and you should just know this and keep this in mind. They're the strong words that he says. So we have to understand what is this impurity that he's talking about so strongly. We also have to point out what are the 36 cards uh, that he's talking about. Uh, we have in our, in our deck, we have 52. So, so where do you get 36 cards from? And, and he says it was invented in the times of the Greeks. He doesn't say by the Greeks, but he says in the times of the Greeks, in the times of, 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 the, of the Second Temple, that's when this game arose as a, a counterforce to holiness. That's, that's, that's how he describes it. So to make a bit more sense of this, we need to get a little bit of the history of the cards, of where, where these cards actually came from. Where are playing cards from? Who did invent them? Uh, where, do they, where do they start from? What, what are these pictures that we have? on these cards and what actually are they. And by doing that, I think we'll see a, a great understanding of these sages and what they're saying. Because the sages we quoted, the Chidah, the, the, the Binas Yisachar, the Bnei Yisachar, the Yisod Vashor Shavodah and Kedushas Levi, all of these sages are very varied. Two of them are Hasidic, one of them is Lithuanian, one of them is Hungarian, one of them is Israeli-Moroccan. Uh, they're, they're, they're very varied sages. And for all of them to be saying the same thing is very curious. But what's even more curious is, I couldn't find too many others who say the, this statement. Many people speak about playing cards, but not many seem to speak about this impurity, this forbiddenness. People speak about the, the gambling, the time wasting. There are others who speak about that. In fact, the fact that Hanukkah is associated with cards was because there were many sages from the Middle Ages who forbade the playing of cards except for Hanukkah. That, that, that it became so popular playing cards in the Middle Ages amongst the Jewish people that there were certain halachic sages who said, who made a, pr a prohibition of playing cards because it's wasting too much time. You're only allowed to play it on Hanukkah. Others said you can play it on Hanukkah and Purim. Some said you can play it on any day that we don't say Tachanun. Any day that is a bit of a festive day, you're allowed to, to, to play cards. Other than that, you can't. And so it became very popular to play, play on, the, on these days. But the fact that they didn't prohibit it outright seems to be that other authorities did not see the impurity of the cards. They just saw the time-wasting element of the cards. And that's why it became a, a, a game particularly for Hanukkah. Uh, so the question is, what did these sages see that the others, the others didn't see? And why hasn't it become a, a, a general halachic thing if indeed there's impurity some idolatrous or black magic or something in, 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 in these cards, surely it should be a blanket prohibition any time of the year. And yet we don't find that elsewhere. I believe we'll understand this by understanding a bit of the history of the cards. It's not really very clear exactly who invented cards and where it started, but it is believed that it was the Chinese who were the first to make playing cards as, as we know them. And the reason is because paper was first invented in China. Um, in, uh, and there's, there's evidence of, of cards from the 9th century of the Common Era already made in China. 
like everything else. But most likely, most likely it was China because they had paper, others didn't. Um, it, to make cards out of stone or wood would be very awkward, extremely difficult to shuffle, and, um, and, and, uh, and, qu and quite difficult to play with. Um, so the idea of playing cards required paper, and it seems that the Chinese were the first to have those paper. What they had on those cards, what the images were, we don't know. There's no, there's no real record of that. However, it moved out of China, and it seems that it came to Europe through the Mamluk Islamic Egyptian uh, 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 communities. That it came, it came out of Egypt to Europe. That's what, the, what most historians have, have, have said about where the cards that we have come from. Uh, and it's, and there's, there's one thing for sure that in is, Islamic countries, they did not have any idolatrous pictures on their cards. They didn't have any pictures whatsoever. The, those original cards did not have faces on them at all because in Islamic law, you're not allowed to depict faces at all. It's considered idolatry to do that. So the cards that originally came to Europe were not Chinese idolatry. They were actually Islamic cards that, 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 that originally came to Europe. They developed in different formats. Um, the, 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 what we have today, the diamonds and the hearts and the spades and the, and the clubs. So that came much later, probably in France. But in between, it went through different iterations of swords and of, of acorns and the different types of pictures that it developed over, over the years. But it, it seems that the source of those pictures was originally in the Mamluk uh, Empire and not something particularly idolatrous. Um, interestingly, if you, if, you, if you look into the history, the number of cards, 36 was the number of cards that was most popular in Europe. Uh, the, the games that they played were with 36 card sets. They started with the number six. They didn't have the first five numbers uh, or, or various, various different setups of the cards. Some, some had 32 sets, but 36 was the most popular games in Germany, um, in Russia, and, and actually they were, there were 36 card sets. So what the Bede Sasha said about 36 cards, it was true. That was the original set of cards that, that was much, much more popular in those times. It seems to be a quite innocent game that didn't have any spiritual undertones or anything to particularly idolatrous or, or nefarious or unusual at all throughout most of history. However, something did change in the mid-1700s. There was... A, a character by the name of Antoine Court de Gabellin. He was a French person um, in Paris in the mid-1700s. He was a Protestant priest, a pastor, and he was once walking down the street and he saw people playing cards and something clicked in his head that he said that the secrets of divination, of predicting the future, and, uh, and of knowing the secrets of the universe are in these cards. Um, what made him think that is unclear, but that's what he thought and he decided. The, the, the deck of cards that he was looking at was what we know as tarot cards, which was another form of, of cards that was popular in originally in Italy, had different pictures, had 78 cards in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the deck, and he saw them as being, having powers from ancient Egypt, that, that all mystical powers that you can d divine the future and know somebody's uh, destiny by looking at these cards. This was in 1750 and he wrote about it and he, and he, and he produced uh, sets of cards with mystical meanings to them. Now, 
you can find pictures of these cards. They look very, very different to the cards that we have. Uh, tarot cards and our playing cards are extremely different. They are quite creepy, these cards, quite spooky, a lot of strange things. Some have associated them with Kabbalah and said that they have Kabbalistic sources, which is certainly not true, um, but it, it seems that this Gebelin did have some Christian Kabbalistic knowledge um, and he inserted into his cards certain Jewish motifs, even Hebrew letters. There was a belief that there were 22 out of those cards that are the ones that are for divining. And that is amazing. That corresponds to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, because 22, so obviously. Um, they're, they're, some of them even have, have Hebrew letters in the center of them. Um, they have sim symbolism looking like the 10 spheres of Kabbalah. There have been people who've tried to associate it with Kabbalah. But it was all more or less made up by this Gebelin guy in the mid-1700s. He, he just had this vision that, that this is what it is. And he believed it was an ancient Egyptian wisdom that he'd, he'd somehow discovered. But as with many of these things, it actually caught on. It became very, very popular. And tarot cards became the, the main playing cards in Europe. These cards were actually more popular than the cards that we know of uh, with, with the kings, the queens, and the, the, and the spades and the, and, and the jacks and et cetera. The, these, these cards were actually, the tarot cards were like the mainstream. People were playing with these cards. And then there was this additional idea of this divination power that, that uh, was believed and, and developed by, by this guy. He, he published a, a book about this or a, a, an essay about this in the, in the 1780s. And, uh, and it was taken and, and believed. Until today, you can go to Bondi Junction, get your tarot reading, uh, in, in, the, in the place there. You can get it online as well, um, all for a small fee and, um, or a large fee. And, and it's quite a popular thing, which of course is completely forbidden according to Jewish law, divination and uh, try, trying to predict the future or, or know, know things from these, these cards. I don't know the details of how they work, but, uh, and I didn't even want to show you pictures of these things because they look like everything that was being described by these rabbis of impurity and tumor and, and negative powers, these cards really have that look. They, they, they look like something quite spooky and, and quite forbidden. And so I think it is possible that what all of the rabbis mentioned earlier were talking about were the tarot cards that during the 17, late 1700s, they became popular as a form of divination. I think that is the impurity that they were speaking about because all of those rabbis lived exactly at, the, at that time. The Kedushas Levi was, was his, the Rebbe Levi Yitzchak of his work was, was published exactly 18 years after the publication of this Gebelin's theory of tarot cards and their, and their power. And it seems that in, in, that, in that decade, this became popular and, and mainstream in Europe. And I think that that was the card game that they're, they're describing, that they're talking about, which would make a huge amount of sense because when, when they're talking about impurity, there was, there was impurity in these cards. There were, there were decks that were 36, uh, 36 decks in those cards. Whereas the cards that we play with, that we're more, more commonly familiar with, they don't seem to have any spiritual source or any spiritual impurity whatsoever. It doesn't seem to, 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 be, to be, be the, the fact. So it is certainly possible that it was during that time, that the, 17, or the second half of the 1700s, that card playing took on a, a different meaning, a, a, a spiritual meaning. But it's fascinating to know that it did not exist before that. There was no, there was no sign of, of any divination used, used, using cards before that time. It, it, was, it, was, it was right then. And so if this is the case, 
This would explain a lot. It would explain why these rabbis who lived at that time made prohibitions not just about the gambling element of playing cards, not just about the time-wasting element of playing cards, but also they spoke about the impurity, the tumor, the clipper, the negative energies within these cards, because indeed that's what they were being used for at that time. But other sources from before that don't mention that, and even after that don't, don't seem to mention that. After these rabbis have said these statements, we don't find in normative halacha an idea that, that, that card playing should be prohibited and, and forbidden. We find many, many people ask questions about playing cards, and the answer always was gambling is, is a no-no, is and certainly, certainly professional gambling, and you shouldn't waste your time on these things, but we don't find a blanket prohibition by the halachic authorities that this is idolatrous, or it's con contaminated, or evil, and you should, you should stay away from it. However, the influence of these rabbis, particularly the Rabbi Levi Yitzchak the influence of him on, on, on the Jewish world was great. And so therefore the idea that there's some impurity in the cards certainly has taken a root in, in some circles and many people do stay away from it. And so if you do look, there are, there are, there are some rabbis who today have, uh, would advise people not to play with playing cards at all even the familiar decks of playing cards, not to play with them. Um, if kids want to play card games, they should play with other sets like Uno. Um, there has even been um, sets made with our own pictures, pictures of rabbis on it, um, or, or, or other people on it, or no pictures whatsoever, just numbers. In Europe, possibly as a response to Rabbi Levitz Rabbeditschev and what he said, there was a, a set of cards made called Kvitlach. Kvitlach is Yiddish for cards, and there was a set of cards that were made specifically for playing on Hanukkah. Uh, and they were not so, not so uh, interesting, they were just numbered 1 to 12, just with the number 1 on it and to 12, and they were used for the game called Kvitulach, or you, you can find it online as Quitlock, um, Q-U-I-T-L-O-K, the game Quitlock, um, which sounds like some sort of uh, old English name, but it, it, Quitlock is just the anglicization of Kvitulach. And, um, and so you, there, there, are, there are available such sets of, of cards, that are completely kosher. They don't, they don't have any, any, any pictures or, or it, it whatsoever. Um, so I think the fact that rabbis would say that today is an echo of what Rabbi Lev Yitzhak and others have said, that there's some impurity in the cards. But I didn't find anyone who, who says definitively that there is such a thing. Um, and uh, it seems to me, I don't, I don't want to give a halachic uh, conclusion to this, that that is something that for, for rabbis who are expert in halacha. But it would seem to me that the playing cards that are generally used don't have any idolatrous or impurity whatsoever. Uh, time wasting, yes, gambling is a problem, but, but the impurity, I think, is the tarot cards. Tarot cards should, should certainly be stayed away from and not be in, in any Jewish home. Um, having said that, the, the games of cards uh, and the playing of cards certainly can lead to negative things. It can lead you to go to negative places as well. Certainly in those times, card playing was in the taverns and the inns, which were connected with, with drinking and, and other debauchery. And so it was understandable that you'd want to stay away from such things. However, if it's being done in, a, in an innocent and a, and a pure way, in, in good surroundings and in, in the limitation, so then it's certainly seemingly would be something that would be okay. But that I would leave to the greater halakhic authorities to decide. But either way, what the sages said about Hanukkah is certainly true, and that is what we're celebrating on Hanukkah is the light of Torah and wisdom that the, that the Jewish people were regained uh, when we, we conquered the, the, the Syrian Greeks. And that is certainly what our focus should always be on. If playing a game, 
like chess or cards or checkers or soccer or any other, other game, if that, if that will enhance one's fitness, one's uh, sense of, of focus and taking a certain leisure time, so then that can enhance your, your Torah study. And in fact, as we go into the holidays, that's the whole point of holidays. We do have holidays to sometimes reinvigorate ourselves and leisure is an important part, but it, it should always be seen as an accessory to our real mission and that is to bring the light of Torah into the world. Thank you. Sure, questions, yeah, yeah, sure. Polish Pepper, and um, Hasidic, Hasidic. The one time they played cards, what is the opposite? The biggest opposite to any cards was playing cards. Was Nicolas on Christmas Eve. Yep. Yep. And they used to play once a year Nicolas on Christmas Eve. But what we couldn't understand as kids was, how did they become so good at playing? If you only and play once a year. And play once a year. You know, they only played once a year. How do you become so? But they used to not learn Torah mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve. And like because it was the biggest contrast mm -hmm. to learning Torah. So it was just Christmas Eve, once right. a year. Fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Fascinating. So uh, well, the time of the Greeks is the second temple time. That, that could have been the time that it was, it was brought to the Middle East from China or even in China itself. I don't know when paper was invented. We, could, we have to work out that. But, um, but certainly, yeah, it, it, it definitely existed in those times. Yep. Yes, it was always um, said before Hanukkah, right? To tell everyone. No, yeah, well, no. Vayishka Chayu. Right? That's an acronym. Tomorrow, the Shiurim as well at 10 o'clock. And the lecture will be at 11 with my father about what to do in Hanukkah and mental health. Very, very important. See you all tomorrow. First name of a different derogatory. So, any tree that plays. Very good, very good. Very good. <laughs> yes.